This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino is a paid program. When your personal investments need help to reach your retirement dreams and navigating the complex world of financial planning requires an experienced manager, that's when you know you're ready for primetime. Welcome to Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Wealth Advisor at RBC Dominion Securities. Welcome, everyone, to Canada's Only Money Show, dedicated to those of you 50-plus in your overall investment tax and estate planning, and your direct link to all of North America's top money managers with the best ideas on how you can grow your money. Today's show is about playing defense. Uh, Paul McDonald's going to join us to talk about a sector of the market that's one of the most defensive and conservative, and that's healthcare. Just like sports, there's times to be on offense and there's times to be on defense. Right now, the defense is on the field. You know, uh, with my team at RBC, we manage money for those 45-plus that are at or near to retirement. In fact, we manage more rifts and lifts accounts uh, than anyone in Canada. So we're always looking for conservative uh, dividends that are paid out on a regular basis, and especially during the downturn, these, this particular sector that you've invested in, the dividend sector, has paid out in spades to us because it's held up, especially in Canada, it's held up better than anywhere in the world. Right now, if you have money to invest, say, $20,000, just for an example, I would invest $5,000 now because of the sale that's basically on and then save the other $15,000 to gradually invest over the next period of time until we get to a period that I call the negative wealth shock. I'm in a camp that the stock market and home prices are the only things that matter, and they determine what consumer spending is going to be. I don't think people spend more or spend less based on anything other than how wealthy they feel at the margin. So like 70 or 80% of the economy is just buying ingredients that they need to put in their kids' lunchboxes together and get them on the bus and drive to work. That's the main part of the economy. At the margin, though, what makes somebody buy a boat? What makes somebody buy a second home? What makes somebody hire a professional trainer? What makes somebody trade up from a barbershop to a hairdresser? It's the stock portfolio and the value of their home if they own one. And unfortunately, both of those have remained elevated for a real long period of time. And that put us in a position where we have horrible supply issues. That has nothing to do with the Bank of Canada or their Federal Reserve. The supply issues that they can't affect, we're exasperated by excess demand. We actually need the stock market to do this. You need home prices to follow suit and come down in order to take the demand problems off of the supply problems and create this moment where people just slow down. They have to just slow down. The process is not a week. It's not two weeks. It takes months and months as we're seeing. So as an investor, you have to stay calm. You have to have a plan to manage this period. If you don't have one, give us a call. We have one and we're here to help. Just call Dominic now or after the show. one 891 26 37. That's one 891 2637 for a complimentary second opinion and a plan for your investments. We also have a very important luncheon workshop coming up, and it's going to be on July the 6th. That's a Wednesday, and it's a luncheon, of course. It's going to go from 12 noon to uh, 2 p.m. We're going to have a guest speaker. We just are tying up all of this. It's our first in-person workshop that we've had in a couple of years. So if you'd like to attend that, we're going to go over all of this, what's happening in the market. We're going to talk about um, 
all the different financial planning changes that have taken place, tax changes, estate planning. So you're going to get a well-rounded view of uh, financial planning in total during the workshop. And again, that's going to be on uh, Wednesday. It's July the 6th. It's going to run from 12 noon to 2 p.m. It's going to be in Mississauga. And all you have to do is give Dominique a call at one 891 26 37 to register for the seminar as well. That's 1-866-891-2637. You can call her now or you can wait till after the show. And if you get uh, voicemail, which we get a lot of calls uh, all of a sudden, so you just leave your name and your number and Dominique will call you right back. Okay, stay right there because Paul McDonald is coming. He's going to be talking about um, investing in a defensive area. And one of the most defensive areas, of course, when you're... Um, in this kind of a market where you're in a recession, you spend money on something that's going to keep you alive. That's healthcare. So he's going to talk all about that. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money. And joining us now is Paul McDonald. He's the Chief Investment Officer and Portfolio Manager at Harvest Portfolios Group. Hey, good morning, Paul. Thanks for uh, joining us again today. Thanks for having me, Richard. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Like, we're looking, you know, these markets are all over the place. Just when you think things are going good, you know, they're, they're not going good. And this is when you think inflation is peaked, it's not peaked. It's just when you think, you know, something, the next day it seems to be that, uh, you know, we're getting whipped all over the place. So um, I guess we're looking for ideas. So if you're, you know, on a defensive mode, like what sector would you say would be? best suited right now for, you know, being kind of on a defensive mode and adding some money? Well, great question, Richard. No question. It's a, we call it a whippy market. Yeah. Um, it's intraday. It's very volatile and day over day also very volatile. No question that the macro backdrop is really the driver. I think everybody has heard enough about uh, talking about interest rate volatility. And of course, everybody's tired of looking at inflation at the pumps. And so those those still are the main drivers. And so when we think about the type of environment that we're in, we're looking for areas of visibility. And the, the, there's not a lot of visibility on, on a lot of those macro factors. And so when we think about healthcare, for example, as uh, a superior good, meaning something that we use in up and down markets, um, you know, there's relative visibility in in knowing that you've got fairly uh, stable demand across economic cycles. So okay. uh, healthcare, you know, would be one area that we'd be certainly looking at. It also has relatively high margins and low uh, commodity exposure. So, you know, kind of those those uh, attributes, I think, for the type of environment that we're in absolutely make a lot of sense. Yeah, like what sector, like when you look at healthcare, there's, there's all different kinds, there's all sectors, right? There's pharmaceuticals and then there's, Healthcare services, and then there's, um, you know, um, you know, basically medical devices. Like, like when you invest in that, I know you guys have a fund there, and you guys invest. Do you invest in all of them, or do you just focus on certain uh, parts of? We want to be exposed to the the overall sector, okay? uh, And we do want to have subsector exposure, and even within the the healthcare, it's a massive industry. And for example, in in HHL, which is our fund, okay, you know the the twenty stocks that we own are significantly larger than the entire S&P TSX. So there is, you know, there's definitely a lot of scale. I would point out, you know, some of the some of the characteristics within each one of those subsectors, you know, are very different and have differing drivers even within what one would consider just a, a broader sector, meaning the medical device companies <clears throat> tend to have a little bit more growth 
versus, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals tends to be uh, a little bit more consistent. So I would highlight, too, from a, from a Canadian's perspective, you know, healthcare represents between 13 and 15 percent of a, a global benchmark. In Canada, it's less than one yeah. percent in the market, and most of that is in marijuana companies. Yeah. So you really need to be looking outside of, of the Canadian market for your broader healthcare. Exposure. Yeah, I, I can't even. It's hard to name a company that's that's healthcare in Canada. You know, like that would. Yeah. Um, so when you put together the portfolio there, like just explain to like HHL is the symbol and it's an ETF. Uh, explain, you know, how you generate uh, income on that portfolio. So we, we select 20 stocks. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a formalized process that we have to meet certain financial metrics. We, we have to meet certain, certain types of diversification. Um, and ultimately, you know, across all of our mandates, we want to own the dominant companies within a particular area. So we tend to have large cap companies um, uh, and we also have what's called the covered call strategy. It's just a little bit of a way to monetize some of the um, uh, some of the volatility in the market. And we forego a little bit of the upside, but the flip side of that is, is we're able to generate fairly significant cash flow. So HHL, I know it's an ETF and it trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And that fund, you, you do cover calls on top of the stocks that you own. Like, tell everybody about how it pays and how much. So the, the covered call allows us, uh, as I was just alluding to, to pay a little bit higher distribution and so then, then the underlying dividends. And right now we're sitting at about, uh, about an 8.5% annualized distribution. Okay, and it's paid on a monthly basis if you, if you buy it, it? it? It pays monthly and there's also some tax, uh, uh, tax differences on, on how the, uh, the distributions are taxed. Um, we would encourage people to talk to, uh, talk to yourself about you know, the tax efficiency that, uh, that can come with using covered calls. Okay. Okay. Now, say, for instance, like myself, I, you know, I write these notes, I write these publications. I'm of the, you know, of the, the backdrop where I'm looking at the, I think there's some green shoots there that, you know, inflation has peaked. And, uh, you know, basically, as we go through that kind of a market, potentially, the, things can get a little bit better here, you know, going through the summer. Like, if what area would you say and would be the best coming out of this? Great question and loaded question. It's, <laughs> you know, the, the, the answer on, on green shoots is, yeah. yes, we're seeing some data points, but yeah. we're not seeing anything trend-like. So some of our leading indicators of, of inflationary pressures, I know we don't see it day-to-day when we're shopping, for example, but we are seeing some leading indicators that individual data points in and of themselves suggest that uh, that inflation is peaking. Now, we need follow-through on those data points. Okay. Um, and so, like I said, we're looking at green shoots. These aren't, you know, trends that inflation is peaking and rolling over. It's, they may, they're, they're indications that we may be peaking out on inflation. So that would be the first first part. The second part, we have to realize that this market correction that we've, we've underwent and are, are in the midst of has been all about the valuations compressing, about fears of what the future holds. Earnings are still positive, and so valuations. You're now buying uh, buying stocks, you know, at, at much lower valuations in many cases. So, one of the areas as we think about, you know, even amidst this, you know, macro uncertainty that would be atypical for this type of environment would be travel related stocks okay. um, and travel related names. And I really think <clears throat> that's in part driven by the the nature of the the pandemic, in the sense that. 
individuals and the leisure travel, we weren't allowed to get away. And so normally, you know, in a slowing growth or a recessionary environment, leisure travel would be one of the first things to get cut. It's a, a highly discretionary expense. What we're seeing in the data, though, is that people are cutting things like their Netflix and or other services like that in favor of continuing to travel. And so at the same time, I know even from personal experiences, uh, starting to travel again for business, but the data that we're looking at also is indicating that that corporate traveler, which tends to be higher margin, is coming back, and and that the uh, at the same time, international travels also coming back. So a, a little bit of an atypical area to be thinking about in a slowing growth um, uh, environment like we're in, but I, I do think it's a bit atypical because of that, uh, the nature of that pandemic really has has mandated us to say, hey, do you know what? I, okay, I can live without Netflix for for a few a few months, but geez, Louise, I need to get away <clears throat> for my holiday. Yeah, that's for sure. I, me too. <laughs> Probably you too. Yeah, everybody wants to, you know, <laughs> after the pandemic, everyone wants to get going here. So well, it was great having you on the show, Paul. Thanks for taking the time to join us here, and uh, thanks for the great ideas and uh, bringing us up to speed with what you feel is happening out there these days. Thanks again, Richard. All right, you take care. You too. Bye. Okay, that was Paul McDonald. He's the Chief Investment Officer and Portfolio Manager at Harvest Portfolios Group. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. The distributions are not guaranteed and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by Harvest Portfolios Group. Okay, stay right there, folks, because we're going to have, for the first time in quite a few weeks, we're going to have an extended version of the rapid-fire round where I'm going to answer your questions. Stay right there, folks, and we'll be right back. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. It's time for the rapid-fire round, where Richard answers all of your financial questions. Finally, the rapid-fire round. We haven't had one for a few weeks and the first one comes from Joanna North York, who asks, why are my balance funds doing so poorly when they are said to be much more conservative? That's a great question, Joanne. And, and you know, f- for the first time that, that I can remember, actually all the way back probably till 1994, where we had a situation like this where we have rising interest rates and you have a stock market going down. Because what is a balance fund? A balance fund is a combination of um on one side, you're going to have bonds, and on the other side, you're going to have some stocks. Now, you can't have um, balance where they're 50-50, but sometimes they're 60-40, sometimes they're 70% uh, stocks and 30% bonds. So in these particular circumstances, especially today when you have rising interest rates, that hurts the bond part of that portfolio as well. So I have the stock market going down, but at the same time, I have the bond market going down. The reason why is as interest rates go up, and say you've secured a bond that was paying 2.5%, but now GIC rates are 3%, the value of that 2% bond is less. So they have to price that in. So somebody has to price that or somebody has to buy that 2.5% bond in the open market, and they'll pay less for it because I can get in short-term money, which is GICs are, I can get a better rate. So the value goes down. And when you have a portfolio like a balance fund, the manager holds, uh, you know, millions and millions, could be even billions of dollars in uh, bonds. It's not that you can't get out of those and you can't just sell them all and uh, go to cash. You have to continue to hold bonds because they have this particular kind of a mandate. So you basically had a situation where you had 
both sides of the equation. Normally, what would happen is the bond side of the equation would be more conservative and it'd hold up in a volatile time for the stock market. But we didn't have that uh, negative correlation this time. We had a positive correlation. And what that means is the bonds went down as much or even more than the stocks did. So it's a, tr- it's a troubling situation because interest rates are going to continue to go up. So um, I would say that they're not as conservative if you're investing or you're thinking about investing. They're not as conservative as they used to be, especially in this particular kind of an environment. And I would talk to your financial advisor or give us a call and I'll give you some ideas on how you can adjust this balance situation. So if you have substantial money in uh, balance funds, you should look at alternatives to what you're doing right now and different ways to structure a balanced account or an asset allocation account in your own portfolio. There's some other ways to do it today that would take advantage of what the market's giving us. It's giving us some higher interest rates that you can invest in now as an investor, and it's given us an opportunity to uh, buy into the stock market at a low price, but you have to readjust. So you have to take something off the table, create cash, and then put it into this new type of a balance fund that you'd put together with individual investments or a combination of ETFs um, all of those types of things, you could put together a new kind of a portfolio. But sitting in a, a balance fund, hoping that it's going to uh, secure you from uh, you know what's what's happening out there, is, is not going to be the case today. So uh, feel free to give us a call if you have. You know, you can call me off after the show or call Dominique, and uh, we'll get you some answers for that. Okay, question two comes from Howard in Burlington, and he asks, "Where do you believe is the best place to invest today, the United States or Canada?" That's a great question too. You know why? Because um, for the first time in the last, you know, five or six years that I can remember, it's actually, um, you know, been better to be investing in Canada right now. And the reason why is when you look at the stock market and what it's doing in this type of a correction, it's basically looking at areas where you have high growth. And because of interest rates going up and us going into a recession, the areas of higher growth um, are coming down a lot more than conservative areas. So when you look at Canada and you look at the, you know, what makes up our stock market compares to what makes up the United States stock market, you can see that in the United States, there's a lot more growth in in that particular market in terms of technology. We don't have a lot of technology companies, biotechnology, healthcare um, areas where there's uh, growth involved with it. There's also a high area of um, consumer discretionary stocks in the United States that we invest in. So it's a lot different composition of companies in the United States than there are in Canada, where you look at Canada now and what you see is we have, you know, safe and secure, you know, to an extent, um, bank stocks and utility stocks. We also have, um, you know, are known for around the world are commodity stocks. So right now in this cycle, it's more into commodity stocks, you know, energy, um, zinc, aluminum, mining, minerals. Those should do a lot better in this type of a, a market compared to growth types of stocks. So I would say that um, right now, you're a lot better off being in Canada than in the United States. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, good companies in Canada that we know that are raising their dividends, that are growing their dividends, that'll give you a safe, secure, uh, regular income, but give you an opportunity to grow too. And our third question comes from Fred in Mississauga who asks, what's my priority? Should I be investing in a tax-free savings account first or an RRSP? Well, my answer always is, uh, Fred, it's basically based on your income. So if you have and you're working and you have a higher income, then I would always do the RRSP first. Here's why. Uh, what happens is when you invest in an RRSP, you're going to get a tax deduction that you can use against your income. Whereas in a tax-free savings account, all you save 
is the tax that you make on the investments inside of the tax-free savings account. So you could actually do both. Think about this. With an IRSP, say, for instance, you were in the 40% tax bracket and you put $10,000 inside of the IRSP, you're going to save $4,000 in taxes. So you can accomplish both because you've done the RRSP. So I put $10,000 into the RRSP. I save $4,000. I take that $4,000 now and I put that into the tax-free savings account. So essentially what I've done is I've taken tax money that I would pay if I didn't do the RRSP. And now I have $10,000 in the RRSP plus $4,000 inside of the tax-free savings account. So if you're working and you have a higher income, or if you have any income at all, it's always better to use up your RRSP room and get a tax deduction rather than putting the money into the tax-free savings account and then just saving uh, whatever you're making inside of the account, either the interest or the dividends or the capital gains inside of the account. It's always better to do the RRSP first. I hope that helps. Those are two great questions, and they've been coming up quite a bit lately. So again, um, focus on um, investments and companies that are going to, uh, you know, be visible in terms of their earnings and and what they do and what they produce because that's going to hold up the best during this type of a marketplace for you. And I know it's a very difficult time. And that's all the time that we have for today. It went by so fast. Remember, we have a a workshop coming up and it's going to be on Wednesday, July the 6th. It's a luncheon and it's going to run from 12 to 1 p.m. And if you are interested or you have questions, this would be a great event to come on out to because we're going to have a portfolio manager there to give you ideas on what you should be doing in this type of a marketplace. And then I'm going to go over, um, you know, financial planning in terms of investments, tax, and estate planning. So you're going to get all kinds of great information there and help you hopefully help you get your portfolio back on track. And also, if you're having uh, trouble with your portfolio and you want some answers, and you're not getting them, again, uh, we have our second opinion service that's available for you. And all you got to do is give Dominique a call at 1-866-891-2637. And make sure to join us for our special show next week. We're going to go over the four big retirement risks and how you should prepare for them. Remember, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our podcasts are on Apple Music, Prime Music, and Spotify. See you next week, folks. I'm Richard Infantino, and this is Primetime Money. The strategies and advice during primetime money are provided for general guidance. Listeners should consult their own investment advisor when planning to implement a strategy. Interest rates, market conditions, special offers, tax rulings, and other investment factors are subject to change. Richard Infantino is an investment advisor with RBC Dominion Securities, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.